Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 91 with my friend Scott McGregor. I have not seen Scott since our 10-year reunion, which uh, neither one of us remember very well, so we'll say I haven't seen him since high school. But uh, I've got to watch Scott, uh, you know, grow as a person via social media, and I was really happy to connect with him and and find out uh, about those stepping stones of life. I really enjoyed uh, talking to Scott, and I, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. And he has a real nice note at the end. Um, I won't spoil for you, but I will address it later. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. This is my interview with my friend, Scott. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? Well, yeah, I, other than that, I don't think I've seen you since high school. Um, so this no, is... No, yeah, that was probably it. This is a treat. <laughs> it is, it is, absolutely. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for, for agreeing to this. I'm glad to catch up with you. And, and I usually start out with how I know people. I know you from high school. I was trying to think. I think we went to middle school together, too, didn't we, at Clarkston? Yeah, Clarkson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. Back in the um, day. But other than that, like we kind of hit on before we we started here, went to the ten year reunion, and but haven't really like seen each other. Um, I, I think you might have lived out of state for a little while too, and. Uh, I've been in state. I, I think we'll probably get into it as we talk. Yeah. But uh, there was some there was some time in there where I kind of separated my high school and college life to my moving forward life. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I know that game. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, let's go back in time though. Um, okay. So did you grow up all in Clarkston? Like were you born and raised in Clarkston? Born and raised in Clarkston, started off at North Sash elementary, moved to Clarkston L in third grade, Clarkston middle, Clarkston high school. Um, and then since I left to college, I haven't been back as far as living. I, my, my parents are still there. My brother is still there. So I, of course, oh, so always what, come and visit. But so you have a brother? I got two brothers. Right. Yep, two okay. younger brothers. Uh, one of them is living out in the Grand Rapids area now, and one is uh, is living in Clarkston. What's the age difference there? Uh, it's two and four. So okay. two years older than the middle and four years older than the youngest. Okay. So did yep. you... Were you the, I'm trying to like compare you to like my brother being the oldest. Were you the guy that kind of set the bar for everything? And then by the time your youngest gets around to it, he gets away with everything. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's exactly how it went. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I faced all the consequences for every single small wrong move I made. But, uh, and then, yeah, by the time, um, my youngest brother, Dan got to it, it was like, man, you could do no wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what do your mom and dad do when you're growing up? Uh, so my dad worked the whole time, um, and my mom was uh, stayed at home with the three boys. Okay. So uh, she yeah she took time off from work to really raise us, and then um, after we all kind of moved out, uh, she went back to work. So they actually both just retired uh, within the last couple of years. So now they're living the retired life and enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> mom's in Florida right now, just just on a trip for two months. I was like, sure. Oh no. Um, <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, so, can't beat that. <laughs> no. So what? Uh, what does your dad do? Like for work? What is? is yeah. He... So my dad has always been in finances, um, okay. specific to medical. Uh, like so, he's worked for various local uh, hospitals throughout the Metro Detroit, Metro Flint areas. 
um, just, you know, in their finance department. Is that typical work hours accounting. Then, when you guys were kids? Typical work hours. Yeah. Yep. Typical work hours. Although, you know, when he's uh, even back then, you know, he was working, especially when I was young, he was working down at Henry Ford uh, health system. So okay. down in, you know, downtown. And so that was a heck of a drive. So even though it was typical work hours and he'd le- try and leave the office, you know, by five or yeah. five thirty or whenever he wouldn't be getting home till seven because of traffic, even back then, 75 <laughs> was a clock. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Some things never change. Um, yep. And then what's the dynamic like in your house between you and your brothers and, and growing up and, um, so we all got along, you know, there wasn't, you know, when you think about sibling rivalries or, you know, these fights that take place between siblings, like physical fights, we really honestly never had any of that. I think part of it was because even though we were relatively close in age, we were still pretty, um, separated in terms of, you know, when we were at home, what we were doing, we each had our own things. Like we all played sports, but it was all different sports from each other. Yeah. So, you know, there was never anybody on the same team really, except for maybe some summer baseball. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it was good. I, I would have probably liked it to have been closer since then. We've definitely gotten a lot closer yeah. um, over the last few years, which has been great. Um, but it wasn't bad. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you my image of you in high school and then deconstruct oh, it backwards. Well, no, I just, I just, uh, cause I was, I was really dependent on my social life. So I didn't give a shit about like academia or anything else. And I did not have good role models for, uh, success in my life. But, uh, so I looked at you, uh, you seemed like you kind of had your shit together academically. Um, weren't you on student council? Yep, I was yeah, I was on council. student council, NHS. Um, yeah, and all and the nerdy things. Little little <laughs> bit of a snappy dresser, if I remember correctly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I throughout some high school, I still had the tucked in circa nineties, uh, you know, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, well, you'd expect to see a nerd, yeah, in the yeah. late nineties in high school. Yep, yep. <laughs> so what? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, then let's deconstruct that. <laughs> uh, I mean, what was what was your life like throughout? that time socially at home i mean did you face any sort of challenges or was what did that look like yeah so speaking directly about high school um you know i you know you mentioned the social aspect for yourself i still was the social aspect has always been a huge thing in in my life i mean yeah. at all times even though you know i i think part of the reason why the whole academic academics came academics look like came easiest because did i mean it, i was lucky enough to have the support from my parents but also just i mean it did come easy you know yeah. uh classes in high school that they, they came easy to me and and i and i was still a strict studier and i i spent a lot of time you know at home doing my homework and still stu- and doing those things to to get those grades but um i will say i never i've never in my life allowed <laughs> academics for my studies to get in the way of my social life nice. so even in high school that was true so um yeah so it, it was it, I, I look back at high school and even though you know i i say because there's been a lot post high school that yeah. has changed about me in my life i still say it was a great time there's things i i say yeah i want to go back and be great if i knew this about myself back then yeah because how much different I could be now and how much sooner I could have realized things would have been awesome. But I think that's part of the learning curve though, too. So when I look back at high school, it was great. I mean, the social life was great. I I loved being at the school building. I mean, I was there, you know, early in the morning till through athletic practices. And then even with student council, you know, doing decorating 
for all the different dances we did at night. Yeah, I mean, there'd be days where I'd get there at, you know, 6 a.m. and wouldn't be leaving until 10 p.m. And I had no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that constant involvement can also keep you out of, of some trouble, too. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Um, yes. I, I didn't find trouble till college. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, assuming and I don't want to. I don't want to dwell in an area where there's nothing to dwell about. Uh, but assuming so, assuming everything else was good, like family-wise, parents, your siblings, um, like yeah. What I mean, tell me about the the transition to college. Where'd you end up going? Yeah. So right for my undergrad, there? I ended up I ended up down in Ann Arbor at U of okay. M. Yeah. Um. And and you know, I looked at it as an opportunity, but I also had really close ties to so many people from Clarkson that went there too. And so I ended up living with Clarkson people the entire four years. Oh, and and (laughs) as great as it was, because we had a whole heck of a lot of fun. And, you know, we still, to an extent, talk these days. Um, It it was fun. But I think that's where I started realizing that I needed to capitalize on opportunities to see things differently to find different experiences in my life. Um, so, you know, towards the end of college is where I kind of started discovering myself a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's, that's interesting that you lived with Clarkston people there. Cause I was, I was thinking about that time, you know, after high school, you have this opportunity to kind of branch out of your, your circle, right. Your comfort zone, your, what you, what you like know. And, uh, yeah, I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> at least not at first <laughs> uh but what is that so what does that look like then are you does it feel like an extension of high school without parents around like with like that, it, it more, was basically more that, friends, you, you, more drinking beyond, <laughs> you, yeah, yep pretty much you know is we, we partied even when we partied it was probably 90 percent clarkston people all the wow. time too so if i wasn't living with them they were coming over to party with me um, all the girls I dated Clarkston girls still <laughs> it was like, just funny. didn't get away. Um, yeah, so that was, but again, you know, I, looking back now, I didn't realize it then, but looking back now, you know, like my, probably my end of my third year going into my last year, uh, I, that's when I started saying I need to branch out. I need to figure out myself a little bit more and yeah. kind of distance, not distance myself, but just, you know, expand my horizons. Do you remember what triggered you to feel like you needed to, needed to do that? <sighs> Well, I think the biggest thing is that's when I started um, discovering about the person I was. And I don't know if we want to get into it now or later. I don't even know if you know. I'm sure you do because you follow me on social media. Yeah. But, you know, this is where I started discovering that, holy shit, I think I might have an attraction towards guys, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and living with Clarkston people and growing up with Clarkston people that wasn't something that was common in Clarkston or talked about in Clarkston, but all of a sudden I'm in Ann Arbor, a very progressive community and you see it all everywhere. So that's kind of where I started saying, Oh man, you know, is this something that I need to explore and find out about myself? So like I said, like mid third year going into my last year, it it was something that I started to explore a little bit, but doing so secretly from my Clarkston people and kind of doing it on my own. And that's where, you know, then, there was the conflict within myself of, Oh my God, there's, I'm living three different lives and I can't mix them. You know, it's like, how do I mix them? So yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. I mean, I didn't let it hinder anything about what I was doing in college yeah. during that time, but it, it was just tough to navigate. I wonder, so looking back, cause that seems you would have been what, like 2021 at that point. Um, yep. Right around there. Yep. Was there no time previous like that you felt like you were pushing anything away or that's a great question. And a lot of people ask that. And I can't. It's very think of invasive. Any I can't certain... believe a lot of people ask that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 
Well, especially <laughs> once you're on this side of the yeah, of, yeah. The, uh, of the teams, uh, it gets asked, yeah, a lot. That's funny. But you know, I, I look back. You know, was there any time in high school? Was there any time in the early college days? And there wasn't anything specific. I mean, I, I can't remember a time where I was like, hmm, am I being true to myself? Yeah. Until you know later in college, and so uh, there wasn't really anything, and it's not like something clicked either. It was kind of gradual, like you see something here, you yeah. dabble with something over here, and then that just kind of starts rolling. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I think, and I'm just like most of my questions are all just me projecting my own shit, but because <laughs> uh, sure. like I've never, <laughs> I've never identified as straight because the binary labels are <laughs> a little ridiculous. Um, <laughs> And I'm I'm getting a, a master's in counseling right now, and I'm in all these uh, gender studies classes and shit. And I'm like, oh no, it's gotten it's gotten crazy now. Like now there's there's too many terms <laughs> yeah. to know. Um, but especially yeah, as like a kid of the '90s and stuff. But I, yeah, I was just curious about that because if I think about that too, uh, I I'd, as much as it was like Clarkston and in real fucking white bread <laughs> sort of yeah. sort of area. Uh, yeah. I also, and I, you know, I hung out with a lot of like the punk rock kids and like a couple years in high school. And so I always had like gay friends. I had bi friends, lesbian friends. And, um, then like some of those people ended up being translator. And, and so I, I never felt like there was too much, uh, pushing against that. But then I'm going to counter my own point here. I, I recently watched videos from high school that I have because I have all these VHS tapes because if you remember, okay. I always had a fucking video camera with <laughs> yeah. me. Yep. Um, and I was like, oh, these will be fun. I'll digitize them. I'll like send them to everybody because it's like at parties and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't do anything with these because the F words in every fucking video. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm watching, uh, you know, the last scene and can't hardly wait over and over again. Um <laughs> And so I was like, I guess it, uh, depending on where you were at, uh, that might not have been the, the most comfortable place, but yeah, but that's uh so that's, that's interesting. The, the, the gradual did, so you felt pretty good about it then just kind yeah, of finding I did, yourself. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And it, in, in, that was like the early, early days of finding myself just, you know, starting to, again, I would say dabble and just, you know, exploring. Um, it was probably post-college where, you know, there's always a struggle. I think it was post-college probably where the struggle started coming. It wasn't so much the struggle of understanding who I am, but it was that struggle of worlds colliding. Yeah. yeah. My professional world, my, my personal family world, my personal friends from high school and college world, and uh -huh. then my, my newfound world. Yeah. And I did so many things to not allow them to collide and – it's a lot of work. You know, each other. It was a lot of work, and and, and I'm and if we want to dump dry, jump right into that now, um, you know, it's a lot of work, and probably in my mid twenties, you know, that kind of started spiraling a little bit for me, and it yeah. was really difficult for me, and so I was partying a lot. I was not getting into trouble, but I was partying a lot. You know, going out with friends five days a week yeah. um blowing a bunch of money uh and so it really got difficult uh just to again keep it all keep the silos as silos and yeah, not yeah. allow people to to find each other and, and then and then that gradually got easier because i started to allow the different areas to mix i mean hell i didn't even come out to my parents till my late 20s 
yeah. uh, mid to late twenties. Didn't even let them know about it. Um, now were they hundred percent surprised? No. <laughs> were they hundred percent supportive? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was, a, that was a big benefit I had in my, in my corner. Yeah. Um, well, so that was really nice to have. I'm going to, I want to jump back to that. Um, I'm going to circle back around. I'll try to stick like chronologically if I can, which will never work, but sure. Yep. <laughs> what do you end up uh, going to college for? So I ended up, yeah, so I ended up in undergrad getting a uh, bachelor of arts in education Okay. with a, uh, with a focus on mathematics and a, a minor in um, economics. So is teaching so always the goal? Teaching. Teaching was the goal. Well, teaching was the goal for three and three quarters of the four years of college. <laughs> <laughs> the first quarter, I thought I was going to go into business, and then that switched really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so teaching was always the goal. So, um, you know, I, I got on that track, went into teaching, um, and, yeah, that was the goal coming out of college. Okay. Um, so, what? yeah, I guess – you're you're just saying a bunch of stuff that's that's making me think of a bunch of things because uh all the different lives right because uh, i imagine yeah. you find yourself in crowds where you're like feel 100 percent. this is like my people and then you kind of got to tone it down with these people and then maybe you're someone else over here so yeah <laughs> yeah so, so that was difficult and when you really think about getting into teaching and the um Oh, I just the, the the magnifying glass that is on teachers yeah. from parents, students, community, whatever. It was difficult because I was teaching, you know, when I first I, I, I was fortunate enough to get a teaching job at a high school, public high school right out of college. Okay. And um, it was a affluent community, probably very similar to Clarkston in the sense of uh, there it was there. LGBTQ was there, yeah. but it wasn't talked about, you know, I mean, it wasn't unless you were part of it or like really embedded in it and knew it, you know, it wasn't really talk, talked about. And so I was, uh, that was probably the most difficult is you're walking on eggshells, no matter where you are. Cause even if you're 30 minutes, 50 miles, whatever it is outside of where you're teaching, yeah. you always see somebody that, Hey, I taught him. Oh, that's so-and-so's mom and dad. Oh crap. And you're like, Oh, you know, is this going to reflect poorly on me? Is this going to make it back to the school? And so it was just always walking on eggshells no matter where I went. So it was that, that made it very difficult. And part of it was because I wasn't, even though I was out to myself and to my close friends, I wasn't out at work. I, I didn't, you know, broadcast it. So it was always just that fine line that I felt like I was towing between and just trying to balance how to be professional because I know I'm under a magnifying glass as a teacher, yeah. but also how to continue to learn who I am through this, through these other friends and through this, if for no other phrase, newly found lifestyle that I had. <laughs> how do you, uh, how do you identify just so I don't screw that up? <laughs> uh, I, I am gay and I, you know, we really haven't talked about it. I am gay and I do have a husband of about a year and a half now. Oh yeah. I want to jump into that too. When we, yeah, <laughs> but, that's uh, later in the chronological uh, yeah, yeah. stream. <laughs> well, that that's, and that's what I was wondering about too. Cause when you mentioned in, in college kind of being like, Oh yeah. I, and you said, I, Oh, I think I like guys too. Was there part of you that were you trying to like hold on to girls? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you mean balance a girlfriend and a boyfriend at the same time? Yep. Did or, that. Well, yeah, that, that too. Um, but just like, hold on Both to that idea. Collide. Like, was there, there's Sorry. some, de- oh, you're fine. Some desire to like, hold on to that idea. Like, oh, I still like girls and, but not really. <laughs> um, I think so. Well, yes and no. So I think it was partially a desire because 
again, I still was attached to that area of my life that this is what you're supposed to do. This is what my friends are doing. This is what's accepted. This is what's, this is what your purpose was basically. And so there was that part of still holding on. But I also think, I mean, part of it wasn't a lie because, you know, there was still emotional and physical attraction there with, with girls. Um, And quite frankly, there's still probably is, you know, I just don't dabble in it like I used to. Um, But uh, so, so yeah, again, it was, it was just that tough balance, but it wasn't, it was a decision I was making at the time because I didn't know which way. Now, should I be balancing a boyfriend and a girlfriend at the same time? No, that was not appropriate. (laughs) <laughs> but but I've, I've made those amends <laughs> <laughs> so what does what does that look like uh is it in, is it worlds colliding or is it you're just tying the tape between so, all of them what how, what how does all that end eventually <laughs> yeah so in college i started to allow the worlds to collide where girl and boyfriend met and the girlfriend thought he was just my best friend and he knew the other side so he could he could carry the lie for me um, so that worked for a while until, you know, again, we're hanging out with a bunch of my friends who have known me for years. Yeah. They're like, hold on a second. <laughs> Something's not right here. <laughs> Something's not lining up. And so that is actually kind of where I started saying, okay, I need to continue to discover myself on my own. So, I mean, it was almost as soon as I got out of college or even maybe a year after where I said, this is my splitting time. This is where I need to put my past behind me for now yeah. and understand who I am and explore this more. Yeah. That's And so so yeah, the collision is probably what really forced that, but it was a good a good thing. Well, props to you, man, cuz I like I'm just picturing myself in that situation. I'd be like, I think I at, in my 20s would just buy a ticket to another state <laughs> just i'm gonna yeah. live somewhere else now yeah uh big fan of running away back in my 20s <laughs> so what is what is that like what does that look like cutting cutting that cord from your past and how severe did you cut it um i cut it pretty severe i mean even to this day so you, you know we're talking early 20s now even to this day some of the strong friendships that I had throughout high school and um, college are just not there. Um, I will say within the last maybe year or two, um, we've started at least some of my, you know, some people that I was close with and that I um, knew pretty well, you know, I've reconnected with a little bit, yeah. still on a very surface level, you know, I'm not going to their family gatherings or meeting that, you know, most of their wives I already know, but you haven't met any of their kids or that thing. Nobody's met my husband. Um, I want to get there. Um, and I'm sure we will, but it, you know, it's, it's what everybody says. Everybody lives a hell of a busy life. And then when you have two years of COVID where you're trying to avoid things like that, anyways, yeah. you know, kind of put a, kind of put a stall on some of those opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty direct cut and, you know, I kind of moved on and, and stopped communication. So uh, just to be clear, you know, that was a decision that I had made that I did for myself versus any of them ever not liking or not appreciating or not respecting who I was or who, you know, who I was trying to find. So, so that was, that's one, one of the big reasons why I do want to reconnect more so because, you know, it was never on their end. It was always on my end. Yeah. What, what, um, I mean, what does that look like physically? Like you move somewhere else, uh, get a different job. (laughs) Like what is, (laughs) 
No, no, no. I actually just, I, I mean, I still stayed pretty local because um, I taught at the same school for eight years. So I was right around that. It's still in Oakland County, um, just on the other corner, basically. Uh, okay. So I was still, I was still local. Um, it was just, you know, no, we didn't, we weren't going to tailgates anymore down in Ann Arbor for football games. Yeah, yeah. You know, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't doing the Friday night go to the bar thing. And, and quite frankly, some of them were starting to have kids at the same time too, you know, going into the mid twenties. Yeah. And it was like, well, they can't do that anyways. And I'm still doing it because I yeah. don't have kids and I'm still trying to figure out who the hell I am. Amen. And meet all these new people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I have one group of friends or one couple of friends that don't have kids still <laughs> other than, <laughs> other than me and my wife. Um, yeah. It's a slim population. <laughs> it is well unless you're like me and none of my friends have kids yet so it's great <laughs> well fuck you too scott Jeez. Yeah. I'm, no, always, it, yeah. Yeah, I'm like hey you guys want to do this oh we got to get a babysitter oh fuck yeah. <laughs> no i would love some of them are definitely uh getting there and i would love for them to have kids and uh enjoy that too yeah well you know yeah whatever good for them all right <laughs> yeah from a distance <laughs> yeah, yeah um so I guess uh, what is the, what are the next few years look for? I mean, it sounds like the biggest struggle you've had throughout your twenties is is trying to, which I think universally a lot of people can relate to, is just trying to figure out who the fuck you are, right? <laughs> yep. Um, yep. If you're listening to this on release day, it is the last day of January, which could technically be the last day of dry January. But if you're a kick-ass person like I am, you're still not drinking because there's so many amazing, amazing options out there for non-alcoholic beers. My favorite is Wellbeing Brewing, which you guys can go check out at wellbeingbrewing.com. Save 10% on any order with code FRIENDREQUEST. That's IPAs, that's stouts, that's ambers, that's wheat beers. And you know what? They even have CBD waters. So if you want to chill out with a, with a delicious melon boom super grass cbd water there's two flavors and i always screw them up but uh they're delicious and you get a uh, 10 milligrams of cbd in each one and you can save 10 percent on those as well so head over to wellbeingbrewing.com check out your options and use code friend request at checkout all right back to the episode uh, yeah i was just gonna say yeah the next you know that that probably lasted longer than it should have throughout my entire twenties. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to figure that out. And, um, I was still very, so, you know, in terms of like the friends, the personal life, you know, I had a new great group of friends. Um, I had kind of cut the ties with the previous, my family was starting to get in the ballpark of what was going on in my life. Um, so the last like remaining loophole for that or last remaining, remaining piece was, you know, the professional and, and, and personal. And so I had a close group of other teachers that I worked with and a few of them, you know, kind of knew about me, but I still won't let those worlds collide. Um, and it kind of all came just, it just at some point between the politics of teaching, which were separate than colliding yeah. worlds, uh, the demands put on teachers and, me still just not being comfortable allowing those two worlds to collide is when I said, you know, I also need to get out of teaching now. Yeah. Um, okay. I liked it for a year or two. Uh, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. So I, I taught for the eight years, got out of teaching, went back to school for my MBA. Um, and then I've been working HR ever since then. So that okay. was my late twenties, early thirties started that. Um, and that's a big decision. One, 
it was a big decision and it was tough because it was a clean break too from teaching just like with my friends i guess i have a a, a track record here it was a pretty <laughs> clean break and i mean i had i had you know i saved up enough to get me through my mba um i started dabbling a little bit in real estate just to uh make some money on the side yeah. and i my my anticipation was you know uh, it was a year and a half MBA program. It was an accelerated program. So I was like, listen, in a year and a half, I better have some sort of a job lined up. Thank God about six months in, I got a um, paid internship. And then that was supposed to last for the last year of the program. And then within two months, it was a paid full-time job. So I was, then they were allowing me to do both complete my MBA and have the full paid, the paid full-time job. So, so monetarily, it was a scary time for me, but yeah. financially it was a scary time for me but it all ended up working out and, um, and I've never looked back. Uh, I love HR. I love what I do. I've worked with three different companies now within HR and it's been great. So where, I mean, looking back your the, the, like academics we talked about in the beginning and, and that's always kind of come easy to you, but you also said you had that support from your parents. Um, and then yep. when I think of my twenties and, and a lot of people's twenties, I mean, this is, the 91st interview that I've done and, and like on top of that, you know, I'm a human being, so I talk to people and, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, twenties is a, a time for, for fucking up and figuring out who you are. And, uh, Lord knows my credit score was garbage for a few years, but, <laughs> yep. uh, but when I think about like, you know, if I were to put you in a box and say, Oh, you graduated high school, you went to U of M, you, you got a teaching job right out of school. Uh, and then you have the, uh, for lack of a better term, the balls to just be like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then switch completely and go back to school to do HR. Like where does, where does the, I don't know what the term I'm looking for is, um, the, the confidence, the, the bravery the like to, to make those decisions and also to be successful in the way that you've been successful. Is that something you're able to look back at and be like, Oh, I guess I did pretty well, like in the grand scheme of things for especially for my 20s yeah um so if, if you remember back to when i talked about uh getting the education degree in college i said three and three quarters of a year yeah i knew i was doing that so the first quarter i wanted to be business yeah so it's not like i it's not like one day it was i'm done you know i'd, yeah. I'd kind of figured out you know I, I can do this this is something i can do i had the support of my parents um I knew, you know, because I had had a good track record with academics before, I knew I could navigate, you know, accelerated MBA program and get as much out of it as I possibly could. And then just even from my experiences teaching, because um, not only was I teaching math, I also taught a lot of leadership development courses. I knew a lot of that was ap would be easily applied to the business world. Yeah. So it wasn't as much of a, it wasn't, oddly enough, being in HR and teaching, there's a lot of similarities because I do a lot. I've that. done a lot of training, um, you know, in, in, in high school and, you know, when you're teaching high school, you're dealing with a bunch of kids who think they rule the world. Well, a lot of times in HR, you're dealing with a bunch of employees <laughs> who think they rule the world too. So, and training them, you know, uh, so it's, 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 there was a lot of similarities. So it's not, it wasn't as much of a, it wasn't as, it's not as much of a, drastic change yeah. as things as people might think um so it was kind of an easy transition for me it wasn't terrible but again i did have the support of my family um and of my friends and and you know of the ipas and the vodkas of the world <laughs> <laughs> so when do you meet your husband 
Okay, so two now. So I met him in 20, oh goodness, was it 18, 2017, 2017, I believe. Dang, okay. I don't remember. I, you know, it's it had to have been before that. It's been six years. It might have been 2016, actually. Okay. Um, so, so early 30s. Right. Early 30s, meet my husband. Um, kind of on a whim. We weren't really supposed to meet each other. We had some mutual friends. We happened to be out at a bar one night. Strange, funny, funny story on how we met, too. We were out at a local bar in Royal Oak, and I had actually done, I don't know if you've ever heard of the um, Cupid's Undie Run that they've done during the winter, right around Valentine's Day. I can imagine Day. what it is, but uh-huh. no, I haven't heard of it. <laughs> so it's, it is as it sounds. It's everybody gets in a little red underwear, and you do about a, it's supposed to be like a mile loop or something. It was downtown Detroit. It was so cold the day we did it. It was actually, I think it was actually on Valentine's Day that year. It was on the 14th of February. Yeah. So um, I did it. And then the cool thing about it is that, well, one of the neat things about it, it raises a ton of money. So that's great. Yeah. But there's also open, there's also open bar. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that's bunch, during wait, the day. So so let me get this flash. straight. There's a bunch of people <laughs> yeah. who just uh, ran a mile in the cold in their underwear and then they get to drink as much as they want. Are they still in their underwear at this point as well too? <laughs> Uh, for the most part, yeah, people pretty much just stay in their underwear and you're back indoors yeah. and drinking as much so as you want. So everyone's just I mean, fucking everyone. Some people put on the robes. The <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like that. Well, it um, should be. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, say, I was pretty toasted by the end of the event, which ended like early evening. So then we, you know, gotten some, either we had, I know I didn't drive. We either had designated drivers or we got in some taxis at the time. So I don't even know if Lyft was around. No, it was, but it was Ubers uh, up to Royal Oak and pretty toasted, stumble up to the bar. And uh, we had heard of each other, never met each other. I introduced myself and uh, we never looked back from that day. Nice. <laughs> Started dating immediately. Um, well, uh, that's pretty much it. Even though we both had our guard up and we're like, no, we're not going to do this. No, we're not going to do this. <laughs> and I think within six months he had moved in. <laughs> so yeah. Didn't waste any time. We're doing yeah, this. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yep. <laughs> and you guys, did you say you got married a year and a half ago? Yeah, we got married. So we got married in the middle of the 2020 portion of the pandemic, uh, over Labor Day weekend. <laughs> so yeah, was that planned um, well, out we, so beforehand? Our, I'm guessing or. Yeah, so we had picked that date in 2019. So then, of course, and, and we had gotten engaged in 2018. So we were engaged for a couple of years uh, prior to actually getting married. And um, we had picked that date out. And then, of course, you know, we roll into 2020. And by March, all hell is broken loose throughout the world. And we're already like, oh, it'll be fine by September. We're not going to have any issues. No, no need to worry. And then we get like early summer and we're like, okay, shit. And then we get, you know, midsummer, and we're contacting the venue like, hey, what's the plan? <laughs> what are we going to do? Because we've already picked the venue. We're do- we know what we're doing. Yeah. We've already got saved the dates out, everything. And um, it just happened to work out that if you think back, if you remember back to September 2020, we had started coming down with the cases. Yeah. Um, it was still nice enough where we had the entire event outdoors. So we weren't overly concerned about the, the dinner portion was indoors, but we spread it out. And then, you know, dancing, the ceremony, all that was outdoors. Um, so we were very safe about it. It was actually kind of cute because we were able to even make personalized masks for all the guests to wear oh, nice. that had our names on them and everything. 
That's um, a, that's a way so to capitalize in the on, end, the, on the pandemic. And it worked out, you know, there was only a few, oh, hundred. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, we only had a few guests that couldn't make it because they were worried about, you know, yeah. obviously they were worried about what was going on in the world, but um, it was a awesome day, beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. And, uh, and it was, yeah, it, just, it worked out real well. I think the only thing that went wrong on that day was as we were, um, as we were saying the, our vows to each other, which we had written to each other, um, I guess we didn't get to see it. And I still haven't found somebody who has it on video, but a seagull flew into the birch tree right on top of us <laughs> as it was happening. It, it flew away eventually, but it flew and hit the birch tree and kind of stumbled and then flew away. Oh, like <laughs> so it all legit. our guests told us that during our vows, that's why people were giggling. Yeah, giggling. There was a bunch of people giggling. We thought maybe it was because of what we were saying, but I don't think we're that funny. Um, it was actually the bird f- hitting the tree and then stumbling and flying out during our vows. Yeah, so that was probably the only thing that went bad that day, actually. Good. Yeah, no, <laughs> I the think bird. those those little things are supposed to be good omens, right? So I think I think yeah, absolutely, you're yeah. in the clear. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, newlyweds during the pandemic. That has to be super exciting. And newlyweds during the pandemic including both of us working 100 percent remotely yeah so it wasn't even going to like one of us go any of us going to the office we were in the house together 24 7 and we've made it and we're con- continuing to make it so yeah, that's that's the real <laughs> test that's the do you remember um i'm sure you remember garrett garcia yep uh, i talked to him for for the show and it was mid-pandemic and he said he's like never been so busy with divorces <laughs> and i was oh, like right. god, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a lawyer as yeah. an attorney yeah and i was like god that's good yeah that's got to be uh oh man what a bummer <laughs> yeah um, yeah that is tough but i mean it makes sense either when oh, yeah. you're inside with that person 24 hours a day you don't have that separation and me like me and my wife i travel for work um but since pandemic started stop travel and usually january to june i'm gone like monday through thursday three four weeks out of the, each month for oh, wow. six months okay so uh yeah it's it should be we both got used to it <laughs> so then all yeah. of a sudden we're both working from home and it actually worked out well i'm i'm i got my office down here in the basement she's got her office up in the office <laughs> Because yep. I think that's she won it. the office because she's on conference calls all day. Um, that, that's what that's what <laughs> happened with us too. It's uh, we kind of do our own thing. We might cross paths in the middle floor. Yeah, yeah. Like if we're getting lunch or <laughs> something in the middle of the day. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm upstairs in the office and he's he's in the basement with his office. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exact same thing. We in that routine we run into each other <laughs> around lunchtime in the kitchen. That's about. It. <laughs> that's funny. Mm-hmm. I bet that's <laughs> I bet that's true for a lot of people. Um, I'm curious going back oh, yeah. though, what going like, did you know when you went to get your MBA that HR was what you wanted to go into? No, I actually, actually started, um, cause we had to pick like kind of a concentration or the focus of our classes, our coursework uh, went around and I actually started around finance, kind of following my dad's footsteps yeah. a little bit. Cause again, being a math, you know, math teacher, I've always been a math guy an econ guy. I've always a numbers oh, guy. And, um, what the reason why I kind of transitioned over switched it to HR because I was able to still stay with numbers. It was really the early days of, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's kind of, it's an HR term, but it's really prevalent and it's really taken, taken or taken off with a lot of steam right now is people analytics. 
it's essentially just the data about your employees. Yeah. Because if you can imagine that the amount of data that you can collect on employees, whether it's, you know, who they are, where they live, how old they are, how did they, what were their college things? How did they reply to these particular surveys we sent out about their experience? You know, there's so much data there and, and there's really a huge, um, a huge uh, drive right now for, cause it, if I were to say HR to anybody, you'd think, okay, you're the you're the people that hire and fire people, right? I mean, that's what HR. I mean, that's what everybody kind of thinks HR is to an extent. Generally, or train I'll give people you that. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or train people, and and that's really how HR has always been seen, even by like you know executives at the business. You know, they never really had HR in the past. Never really had a seat at the table. You had finance coming in and giving all the financial figures. You had operations coming in and saying, this is, you know, how to do this. All those other, but HR was just, yeah, we'll hire and fire the people for you. <laughs> and so now HR is having so much more of a um, seat at the table. And part of that is because we're utilizing data to back our decisions and what we're doing and connected to business results. Yeah. And so that's, that was, it was, it was fun for me for two reasons. A, I was still I still had the ability to stick around numbers and do things with numbers, but B, it was such a new concept to an extent in a lot of organizations that, you know, even in the three places I've been um, that I've worked for, it's getting the the team, getting the infrastructure, all that up and running for this, these people analytics groups, these, these teams that look at data and find insights in the data. So it's still so infant that it's like, I kind of had like the world is still my oyster to an extent yeah. when I go out there and construct new things or find new uh, facets of the data. And so that, that's, that's fun for me to be able to do. Does that, uh, and I mean, in your specific work, I, I, I know generally speaking, I feel like this is more involved now, but do, are you dealing more with social media stuff too? Cause I feel like a lot of employees <laughs> like profiles, so to speak, right. Are, are everything that's out there in the public eye. You were talking earlier, like teachers are under magnifying glasses and stuff, right? Yeah. Like I have friends that lost their job during uh, the Trump administration for saying what they thought on, on social media. And right. Uh, and during the pandemic, it's been a whole other fucking beast for teachers. Um, yeah. So I, I'm wondering from like a corporate HR standpoint, that's got to play a role, right? Like at some, at some level. Yeah, absolutely. So luckily I haven't had to deal with that. We have, you know, a policy group um, that's kind of a subset of HR that really deals with that. And, you know, when, if anything comes on, comes to their attention where there's an employee that's showing that they're representing our organization as well as yeah. saying things off, off pace or off beat, um, you know, they, they deal with that. I think where social media comes more into play in my world is um, scouring things like LinkedIn and understanding, you know, all the way down to an employee level, is this employee searching for work elsewhere on LinkedIn? You know, are they liking all these other organizations or job posts? Or even just, you know, from the hiring standpoint, you know, we help our talent acquisition who's, who does all the hiring understand what are the, um, what are the jobs that are hot right now? What are the skills that are hot right now? And that's just really data mining and taking all the information yeah. that you can scour off of, scrub off of. LinkedIn and sites like that. And so there is a lot of data perspective that does positive things for the organization that way. I, and that's what I deal with. I don't have to deal with those negative things with all the crazy people out there thinking that what they post on social media will never be seen by anybody. <laughs> yeah. It's real, real, real dumb way to look at your social media. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. I want to have a public profile so people can see what I think. Um, <laughs> it's going to backfire, and man. Make sure they know where I work, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess thinking back, because we're kind of present as far as the timeline goes, yeah. I mean, looking back on, on everything, what would you say was your, let's do this, greatest challenge, but also greatest accomplishment <laughs> so far? So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think personally, greatest challenge was not only discovering myself, but being comfortable with myself. Because that was a big hurdle. You know, it, it was figuring out who I was, but then am I comfortable with it? And you could tell, you know, based on what we've talked about, that for many years I wasn't because I wouldn't let worlds collide, right? Yeah, yeah. If I was comfortable with it, I, you'd let worlds collide. So I think the biggest challenge absolutely was being comfortable with who I was myself to where I could then go and sit in front of my boss or I could sit in front of any one of my family members or any one of my friends from a previous world and say, this is who I am. This is my husband. This is the, this is my life. And I am there now. Um, uh, um, I talk about my husband all the time with work people um, and they love it. And, and that, and that's where I am. So I think that was the hardest challenge for me personally, yeah. but one of my biggest, I, I feel very successful there. You know, it took me a long time to get there, but I'm there now, which is, you know, it, it's a huge weight off your shoulders when, when that happens. Oh, yeah. You're not so concerned about all just, who cares about what and who says what and how to approach this person. You just don't care about that anymore. Cause, cause you're just comfortable with, I'm comfortable now with who I am. Yeah. Identity is um, a big thing, man. Like whether it's your personal identity or the identity you give to the people around you, like that's a, I think that's something people struggle with most of their lives. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's, yeah, that's, absolutely. that's an impressive, uh, a, struggle and accomplishment but i'm not going to let you use it for both questions so what's what's uh what's the biggest accomplishment i think it will be the that second part all right all right so <laughs> so then if i think i mean i think i mean it, it it falls in line with this but i think one of my biggest accomplishments too considering how i i hate to say this how i behaved in my 20s and early 30s is um getting married and settling down and being a husband versus, you know, anything else that I had been in the past. So, um, I, that's a huge accomplishment for me. Um, and to be happy in the situation, be happy in this, in that life. That's a, that, that's a, that's a really big accomplishment for me. You know, again, that's on a personal side. So if I can dabble though professional a little bit here too, um, you know, I think, so so I'm what it's, so I graduated, I was 21. So I'm about 17 years years out of you know undergrad or under out of high school graduation well tw- whatever we know it we're 22 we're 20 years, years. 20, 22 years 22 years, years. 21 21 years 21 years 21 years <laughs> yeah 21 years out of that and so you know almost half of that i spent professionally doing one thing that i thought i was going to do for my entire life yeah. and then switching to what i'm doing now and grow and I, it doesn't seem like it's a quick growth but i've seen how um other people in organizations, how their careers progress either slowly or quickly. And I've definitely taken pride in, um, being dedicated to what I do and seeing my career progress quicker, you know, than most, you know, so if you think about somebody who started straight out of undergrad, um, working in the profession I'm working now versus me, who was maybe, you know, eight years after them, you know, I'm now with them, 
on that level. So, you know, that's something I've really taken pride in and, 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 and even going beyond that, you know, I see as, as long as I continue to stay dedicated to what I do and, um, a, a continuous learner of my craft, uh, I, 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 I have big goals for myself in terms of where my, uh, future is in, in my professional life as well. So, um, I think that's another big accomplishment that I've had that's that awesome. I, that I can take pride in. Yeah. It's, a. I was talking about that earlier today. It's good to it's good to recognize the things that we're proud of in ourselves. As long as yeah. you, as long as long as you don't approach it with it, arrogance, I think it's a super healthy thing to do. Yeah, it, it's and and then to look back and be able to also understand where you went wrong and the hiccups. You know, it's it's humbling too. Oh, yeah. But you can't you can't do one without the other. Yeah. So got to learn from and if you, those. And if you do one without the other, then that's where the arrogance comes in. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You've met my brother, right? Uh, so. <laughs> but okay yeah perfect <laughs> well I, th- I don't have anything else is there anything you didn't uh, didn't touch on you wanted to talk about no i thought this was great i appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion and and, and i'll be you know quite frank with you I, I don't think i've ever had a discussion like this where i've allowed myself to be a little bit vulnerable yeah. like i was today you know outside of with my husband really yeah, yeah. um you know so i think this is another step in my journey of again being comfortable with who I am and and um allowing others or you know wanting others to hear the story because you know especially with um how I mean you hear the stories every day about people who struggle to come out people who struggle with their identity and all that and and you know there's a lot of negativity around that and there's a lot of um poor ending things for those people so so just you know there's no right time there's no expected time there's no whatever time to to get to who you are i mean hell i didn't really figure it out until 30 you know and (laughs) and so it's just you know take your time do you whatever you see fit you know i just i just hope people I hope people are more comfortable doing that now than maybe even when we were coming out of high school. Oh yeah. And so I, I think, uh, I think that's a big step that the world society as a whole has loosened up their reins on a little bit and allowed more, but there's still so many areas where, uh, there's issues around that. So I, I just, you know, I think being able to do this, I just hope that, you know, it encourages others to see that there's no set path for them and you know you could go like this and all over the place and yeah. you'll eventually be successful as long as you keep at it and you stay true to yourself yeah that's that's a great sentiment and and i think you're right i mean it's every generation seems to be a little more progressive than the last and even though it's a slow burn like it's 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 going in the right direction and and i can tell you from <laughs> from all the uh all the like lgbtq classes and and gender studies classes i'm like okay yeah they're they're doing a lot more than we were when we were uh, that age. Um, Hell, I, I can't even keep up. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's our, my my professor told me at the beginning of the semester. She's like, just so we're clear, like some of the stuff we're going to talk about might be considered like offensive, and we can't say it anymore by the end of the semester. And I was like, what? How do you how do you even stay on top of that? Um, but the cool thing is, like the way yeah. things are going, like there's you will eventually be able to find some sort of descriptive word to identify like how you feel uh and sometimes it's a series of like you know 15 words <laughs> it's, yep. uh, but it, it's it's remarkable like i uh, i don't know I've, I've felt a lot more comfortable with that just in this last couple of years just the more you learn it's crazy but 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, I appreciate the time, Scott, and and sharing with me. I, I really do. And I will. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you again soon. But I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, we'll talk soon about the twenty-first year reunion. Yeah, or whenever the hell we decide. People, to people are it. on board with it. It's twenty-one. It's it's the drinking yeah. age, right? So it'll be perfect. It'll be- <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we, that's a theme we need to play into for sure. Oh, that's fine with me. <laughs> I I know all about alcohol. Uh, right. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Justin. We'll Thank talk you, to you later. Scott. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right, you just listened to my interview with Scott. I loved this. And his note at the end where he talks about how this is the first time he was able to, like, have this vulnerable conversation with somebody, you know, other than, like, his husband. is one of the most touching compliments I think I could get as someone that, that made this show. You know, like, that's absolutely amazing. And uh, it, it warms my heart, and I'm so glad that I got to, uh, I got to hear his story and, and that he was so tolerant with all of my questions. (laughs) So I really enjoy these episodes where people, um, get to kind of reveal chunks about themselves, uh, and that they haven't really been able to do that before. So thank you so much to Scott and thank you to all of you for listening. All my Patreon supporters, Mandy, Katie, Andy, um, Erica, there's a laundry list of people there. You can be one too. Head over to patreon.com slash friend request pod. And you can join people like Michelle and Erica. Did I already say Erica? Oh my God. I need to print that list out, but they are, uh, people that keep this show going and make it. So this show only cost me a little bit of money to produce. <laughs> so go there, join up, uh, patreon.com slash friend request pod. It's where it's at, bro. And 91, this was 91 episode. 91, no. This is like the 120-something episode. But 91 interviews. That's nuts, huh? Almost at 100. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. Absolutely crazy to me. I have a special treat for 100 I'm very excited about. But until then, I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Friend Request is produced and edited by Justin Lamb. Hey, that's me. Our theme song is by Talia Dalton with lyrics by Justin Lamb. Also me. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wellbeing Brewing and BetterHelp Online Therapy. Use code FRIENDREQUEST at either one of those to save 10%. Hey, do it at both. Go to BetterHelp, save 10% on your therapy. Go to Wellbeing Brewing, save 10% on your beverages. Maybe do online therapy while you drink your beverages. Perfect. Perfect. Glad I could help you. I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. I love you so much. Here's a little kiss for you. Okay, bye-bye.